excuse me, recorder, I have to go fix the broccoli. This is the part where I tell secrets that Catherine will never hear, except when she edits this. If she doesn't skip it. I, well, maybe I'm going to edit it. I don't know. If I edit this, it's sad. So that means I need to make Catherine edit it. Diabolical. Secrets. Nope. No secrets. Sorry. <laughs> I don't have anything. What do you want from me? Uh, just sounding crazier as we go. Mm, that kind of day. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I should read about this thing we're about to talk about. Oh boy, it's the Tim to Fail podcast. My name is Tim Dobbs, and it's my birthday. Hey, happy birthday, Tim! Woo. And with me, as ever, through this technological wonder piece—that's a wonderful masterpiece, wonder piece—that we call the internet. It's recent graduate Catherine Cogert. Yay! It's good to be here. Yay! Good. I'm glad. It's good to have you here. Yay! As regular listeners of this show know. We like to step through a series of different series, like we're in a parade for my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and this week, we're talking about one specific series, one of our favorites. They're all our favorites. Happy Hour with Tim and Catherine. I can walk straight, the whole world is tasting sour, I just want a deep way. This week, what are we talking about specifically, Catherine? We're talking about micro-brews or craft brews and why they're so important. (laughs) Important. Oh, important. That's a real claim to make at the beginning of this thing. (laughs) Frankly, they matter. Maybe not important, but prevalent. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, what's going on there and uh, what's the deal? Why are people into that? And why maybe would you be interested in being into that, listener? I don't know. So what what are we talking about when we say a microbrew or a craft brew? Well, while large-scale breweries, like Miller's, I can't say that word. I No, we should just call it brewerweries. <laughs> It'd be more fun and less stressful. <laughs> like Miller Coors, make over a billion gallons every year. A Micro, billion with a B. With a B. With a B. while large-scale breweries like miller coors make over a billion gallons every year micro or craft brewers will make less than half a million gallons every year which is sounds like a lot but it's not that much yeah half a half a million is really um if we do our math real quick here as number of pints which is eight Eight pints of the gallon, so that's eight million pints, which is, uh, let's see, how many pints do you think you drink a year? Ten? Six? Sure. Yeah, ten. You're still maybe, your your product is maybe reaching, you know, less than a million people. Let's say 500,000 people. 
Right. Not that many. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, you're not you're not talking this uh, this huge deal like uh, your Budweisers or no, your sir. Bud Lights. And so the thing that's really different about these is if you're talking about a macro brewery, brewery, the variety is pretty small, right? It's just, you know, well, here's your Budweiser, here's your Miller Lite, here's your MGD 64. And they're all like fairly similar because it has to appeal to a wide audience. Mm -hmm. Whereas micro brews are characterized by a vast variety of lots of different stuff going on. Yes. So what's up with that? How, how, how do we get to this point where we're making all these crazy things? Like, how do you make that? Well, it's a very simple 10-step process. <laughs> <laughs> now, sub-step Q. <laughs> <laughs> so the well, first thing. Okay. So the first thing we're going to want to do is pick our starch, which is usually barley. Hmm. Um, so what okay. we're... What we're going to do is malt it, which just means soak it in hot water for a couple of days and let the malt sort of germinate. Right. And that's, that's I might be wrong here still, even though we've talked about this a few times, but uh, that's a natural process, I think. That's just sort of something that happens if you let uh, starch sit out for a little bit. Right. It starts to germinate. Yeah. Because it's a seed. <laughs> exactly. Um, so what this does is it pre-treats the starch and actually makes the starch molecules more available to be converted into sugars. That's the scientific explanation for what Tim is saying. Great. Yay. You continue to translate me and it'll work. So <laughs> we started to malt this stuff and it started on its own doing this process. And because, like I said, it would do it naturally, we have to stop it from doing that somehow. Because man will always dominate nature. And the way we do that is through a process called kilning, which essentially dries it out. Right. Cool. You didn't think I was going to bring that around to step three, did you? No, I didn't. Good <laughs> but work. I did. <laughs> Pretty good. So that was step three. So step four then, it looks kind of similar to step two. We, we put it in hot water again, right? Mm-hmm. Why do we do that? Well, we just we, dried it. I know. It doesn't make any sense. Um, I mean, let's, let's take a step back here and realize that often a brewery <laughs> will... Um, a brewery... Go ahead. A brewery. A brewery will actually buy pre-malted barley. Right. So the, so. the, the first steps one and two and three are happening in a totally different factory somewhere Sometimes. Else. Sometimes. Yes. So, but now we're at step four, and yes. that's called the mash. Malt the mash. They did the brew mash. No? Micro brew mash. The brewer's mash. It was a junk smash I, they did the I, mash <laughs> it was a craft brew bash <laughs> the craft brew bash, bash. <laughs> well I'm going to think of that every time I think of uh, how you make beer from now on <laughs> all right some classic Motown. Okay. So what so. they're actually doing is soaking your barley, which we're now going to call a grain bill, in hot water. They have their special names. Special names are very important in brewing. So you soak your grain bill in your liqueur, which is actually just hot water. And right. this time what's happening is you're actually breaking down the starch molecules into sugar um, to a sugary, thick liquid called wort. Right. 
And so, yeah, in step one, we made the sugars sort of available to be broken down. We, we released enzymes that are able to break them down. And then in step two, the, uh, the mash, we um, actually break them down. And now we have sugar. Like, like this, this would taste sweet to taste, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Step five. We're halfway home. Alrighty. It's called laudering. More fancy names. Got to keep the riffraff out. <laughs> and all we're really doing there is straining it. Just going to strain it right off. We got all this solids, this junk that is not the sugars, which is really what we want. And we get rid of it. Get it out. It's gone now. Whew. I'm glad that stuff got out of here. <laughs> so now, once all that's gone, we uh, popped it in the copper or kettle and just boiled it and added hops. And this is where you can actually decide a ton about what kind of beer you're making, how dark it is, what the flavor is like, what the aroma is like, etc. Yeah, and so the reason you add hops is to add a sort of bitterness, and that's one, that's sort of the traditional flavor you add to beer, because otherwise it's kind of sticky, sweet. And I mean, it is a sugar solution. A lot of that sugar will be consumed and turned to ethanol, mm -hmm. alcohol, mm -hmm. but some of it won't. And so the hops adds a uh, bitterness. But you can add all kinds of stuff in this step. Right. All right. So, after this, we're, we want, want to get all the solid particles of the wort out and the hops and all that, so we're going to put it in a whirlpool. Right, and that's going to separate out all the hops and all the other junk that we added in that wasn't strained off, and then all the all the other stuff we added in for flavoring, right? Right, exactly. So, how does that work? We were talking about this a little bit earlier, and uh, I thought it I, I thought it was interesting because I really didn't understand how it worked. It's called the tea leaf paradox, <laughs> which is pretty great. <laughs> which Albert Einstein actually solved. Huh. Gotta love that guy. Time to go work in a patent office, I think. Nah. Yeah? No? Nah. Fine. I have an idea for a play where Albert Einstein actually stole the idea of relativity from a patent office. Oh, like like someone the, submitted this patent and then he was mm -hmm. reading it and then... He's like, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. He's history's greatest villain. History's <laughs> greatest scientific villain. I like this a lot. <laughs> he has mad scientist hair. Hmm, that's pretty good. Uh, why a play? Do you think it just works best as a play, or does it? Could it be yeah. a, a screen play? Or whenever I have an idea for a plot, I always have a very specific medium that I want it in. I don't know why. <laughs> really? Can you give it like another? What? What's another example? Um, let's see. You're, no, now you're looking around your room, looking for like your your bookshelf to give you ideas. <laughs> no, so no, no. We should move on. I was on. thinking about. Okay, bye. Uh, <laughs> see, the Hunger Games, I think, should be a book. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That would be reading... a good book. Someone should make a book out of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was just reading an amazing series of essays about the Hunger Games, like analyzing it. <laughs> it was awesome. It's better as essays than it is about than it is as novels. <laughs> I don't know hmm. about that. Um, oh, yeah. well, don't worry. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, next we... Ne I mean, it's pretty straightforward from now on. We separated our solids, and now we cool it down. We pop it in a fermenter uh, where yeast turns all the sugars into alcohol or much of the sugar into alcohol. Mm -hmm. And then we get about something between a, let's just say, 4 and 10% alcohol solution. Sure. And we do any special finishing steps at the end that the beer company happens to want to do. 
like filtering will... again or aging it and you're yeah. going to say Tim? It could be all, all kinds of things like this. And they'll, mm-hmm. they'll make sure they tell you on their label because it sounds fancy. <laughs> but that's that. Now we got beer, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the really interesting thing or the thing that really differentiates this from last month's happy hour was we have no distillation happening here. Right. There's no what they call a thermochemical step. There's no right. just like, let's just uh, play with the chemicals by adding heat to it. There's nothing really going on like that. I mean, you do you do a cook. I mean, when you when you add all your flavorings and stuff, but mm-hmm. but for the most part, it's biological. Right. There you go. Pretty. And cool. that's mostly because we really just want those low alcohol concentrations. Yeah, we don't need to. Uh, we're not making screwdrivers here. We're not trying to. I don't know. <laughs> no one's making a, what do they call that trash can punch or something uh, you just graduated from college. you know this right all that like gross stuff that uh dumb college kids drink oh god kids oh uh, let's kids alienate people i know <laughs> <laughs> because only old people listen to our podcast <laughs> uh, mom if, if you ever get around to listening to this hi mom <laughs> okay that is pretty much how you make beer and we will be right back on the doom to fail podcast and we're back at the doom to fail podcast and i have some handy vocab words tim is busy singing he's just gonna sing background music from now on <laughs> Absolutely. This this whole podcast has been a trick to get people to listen to my new band. <laughs> it's all a cappella and it's all just me. <laughs> Who's this is, excited? This is the Las Vegas singers all over again. Oh gosh, that was pretty bad. That was great. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, we should probably listen to that again. So vocab, right, Catherine? Because this is there's just a lot of words, right, around beer that can be sort of intimidating and complicated. Yes. What are some of those words? Please give me at least a few words. All right. So beer as a Mega category is broken down into two major subcategories. You have ales and you have your lagers. Ales, on one hand, are made with what we call top fermenting yeast, like Saccharomyces cerevisiae, which we talked about last month. And lagers, conversely, are made with bottom fermenting yeast, like Saccharomyces pastorianus. And Mm -hmm. the major difference in these two things is the way that the sugars are actually fermented. Saccharomyces cerevisiae is more of a workhorse in that it will ferment more of the sugar into alcohol, whereas uh, Saccharomyces pastorianus actually will work at lower temperatures. Is that all right, Tim? Yeah, that seems about right. I mean, this is why you see your the really, really strong beers tend to be ales because they use the uh, the top fermenting yeast, which will convert more of those sugars and you get more alcohol. Whereas the, the lagers, I mean, uh, what's a good example of a lager? Well, Carlsberg is a good one, for instance. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Carlsberg, it's 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 fairly low in alcohol. I mean, compared to say, if you went to, you know, your local super fancy liquor store or something and bought the uh, the special uh, wine bottle size thing of beer, then that would probably be it would be an ale and it would be you know ten percent, eleven, twelve percent alcohol. Sure. Versus a lagers, which are much lower, five percent ish. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And they 
is it just me or do lagers tend to have a little bit more flavor? They're a little bit sweeter. Well, I don't know. I mean, we're definitely getting to the, the boundaries of, of my beer knowledge, but I see lagers as tending to be more crisp, um, okay. better beers for drinking. You know, so, so traditionally, uh, one of the big differences between the top fermenting yeast and the bottom fermenting yeast is the bottom fermenting yeast is it works at a colder temperature. Right. They used to ferment it in caves right. because caves are cold, I guess. Caves are um, cold. Good to know. There's no sun. <laughs> Why would they get warm? Uh, the earth? I don't know. I'm not a biospeleologist. Caves go sideways, not down. Don't they do both? You know, I'm as you are the doom to fail cave expert, so I'm letting you have this. Depends on the cave, Tim. Here's the point. They ferment in cold places. They're drank cold. They're good for summer. That's what I think of lagers like. They're good, cold, crisp beers. Whereas an ale, I think traditionally they're drank warm. I'm not really sure on that one. Gross. Yeah, well, you, you <laughs> taste more of the flavors. It's true. It's, you know, if you're okay. going to be a beer snob, you know, maybe you do want it warm. I don't know. Hey, I just thought of something. Go ahead. Where does the carbonation come in to the oh, beer making well, process? So as we all know, uh, or if you don't, I'm here to tell you that <laughs> that when yeast eats sugar, the, the chemical reaction goes, sugar goes to carbon dioxide plus alcohol. Right. So you get your alcohol clearly, mm -hmm. and the carbon dioxide will actually uh, bubble up for the most part because it's a gas, right? Okay. So it'll bubble out of the solution. Okay. But a little bit remains in the liquid, and if you kind of treat the liquid right, you'll get a little more to stay in there. So um, oh, cool. the first drink, I'm guessing people, you know, Thousands of years ago, when people first drank beer, it was a little fizzy, and they liked that. It was fun. And so they found ways to make that keep happening. Right. And now we're at a point now where they infuse carbon dioxide in, like, for instance, if you get it off a, a, if you get it off a draft, a mm -hmm. tap, mm -hmm. there's um, a carbon dioxide infuser that is infusing extra bubbles in as it goes. Cool. That's yeah. interesting. That's why. All right. Cool. <laughs> now we know. Now we know. So... Yes, that's the difference between lagers and ales, and also a bunch of other information that you might have wanted. Yeah. Cool fact. Hit me. I'm in. No, let's go. Saccharomyces pastorianus was formerly known as Saccharomyces carlsbergenus after the Danish Carlsberg beer. Yeah, like we talked about, it's a lager. So yes. apparently it was one of the most important lagers because the yeast that they were using um, got named after it. Neat. Nifty. Yeah. Yeah. So, more words. I need more words. I'm still okay. confused because there's only two big splits, right? Okay. I've got five words. Pale, Pilsner, Dark, Porter, and Stout. One of these things is not like the other. Actually, two of these things <laughs> are not like the other three. This is a real singing episode. You're just in a sing-song mood on your birthday. Yeah. So, Pale and Pilsner. Pil so, Pale and Pilsner... Those are going to be a lot lighter, right? Right. These all refer to the lightness of the beer. All of these, actually. That's the all theme here. All of these here. words. Yes, all of these words. <laughs> and your dark porter and stout. I mean, let's pick one out. Guinness, for instance, is mm -hmm. a stout, I think. That sounds right. Yes. Okay, cool, cool. And so we can think of those as much darker beers. Right. And those are those those ones, if I'm not mistaken, are kind of the like two ends of the scale. I mean, a, a Pilsner is very, very light, whereas like a Stout or a Porter, are like it's pretty much black. Right. 
Yeah. The mm. Imperial Stout is the darkest, and it's actually so dark because it's made out, out of roasted barley as opposed to non-roasted barley. Yeah. It makes it hard for light to escape. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about insufferable. So, <laughs> here's another word for you, and this one's fun because it's not English. Weissbier. So, that's a German wheat beer. I mean, mm-hmm. what you would call it, the translation would be wheat beer. Right. And so, uh, this includes Hefeweizens, which sort of makes sense. Those words sound similar, um, which yes. you might notice are actually, they sometimes are a little cloudy because they're fairly light in color because they're made from wheat. Mm-hmm. But they might be a little cloudy. And that is because the yeast is not filtered out entirely from these things. Exactly. Exactly. Which is really cool. Here's a fun tip. The first the first beer I ever got as a uh, 21-year-old on my 21st birthday was a Hefeweizen. Because, uh, and it was unfiltered. It was exactly It was called a, a UFO, Unfiltered Offering. <laughs> and yeah, it was kind of cloudy. Cool. Was there it good? Know, yeah. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> That's too bad. It was a little flat. Well, I think what happened was they probably the maybe the CO two canister was almost out uh, at the beer at the bar because it was a little flat. I mean, that's just a guess. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I there's a lot more going on here, right? We have a lot more words we could give out. Uh, we should do that, right? What do you think? No. Uh, well, come on. So no. just a six hour podcast. No. Yeah. No. no. Mm. I'm done. Goodbye. Okay. Well, we'll be right back on the Doom to Fail podcast. Well, I will. Back on the Doom Devil Podcast. My name's Tim and is Catherine here? Hey. Hey, that's good. I was really worried. I came so, back. I missed you. Oh. Yeah, I missed you too. Special moments. Special moments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do, 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 do. Do, do. That was kind of the more you know. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> so I put the minor chord at the end. <laughs> <laughs> so we have all this beer right and we have all these different ways we can make it uh through these 10 crazy steps that all can vary in in different ways and then we which went over the very lightest sort of vocab words for beer all these little intricate details and as we talked about earlier the macro breweries your your inbev things like that they don't really do this i mean it's it's a fairly straightforward so what made us get to the point where we actually are playing around with all these steps and producing all these tiny little microbreweries. What's, how did this happen? Sure. So this all starts with, um, you want to, you want me to go back to the very beginning? Of time? Yes. Okay. At the beginning of time, people started farming. 
Oh, you have that biblical history book, don't you? <laughs> 4,000 years ago when the earth was made. <laughs> Hebriel immediately started farming. Yeah. <laughs> there was nothing else to do. I mean, we were just going to hang out otherwise. And bored. starve. <laughs> oh, yeah, that too. God, All right. Food. So, like Tim was talking about earlier, when people started farming, they might have accidentally left some grain out. And then, basically, if you get some yeast in there accidentally, you'll make beer accidentally. And so that's yeah. the first beer. Yeast just floats around. Sometimes it just gets in stuff. That's right. that's a thing that happens. Yeah. Um, so you have that, and it's extremely local, right? It's extre- like there's really just one batch per type it's of your beer. Your village. Yep. <laughs> there's no real science to it, and uh, so after that, you start to get a little bit more regional, right? As you start to make wines, maybe. Because the soil matters a lot and the type of grape and blah, 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 blah. And there's just more wealth, too. At this, right. you know, wine got popular around the time of uh, the Greek and Roman empires. And so, and so there's just more ability to ship it around and be picky about what you want to drink. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then you get, what happens next? Oh, and then you get, you then you distill this alcohol thing that's happening. Right. And, and so, that's so easy to ship all over the world. Right, Tim? It's not going to go bad. It's just no. alcohol. It's like exactly. rubbing alcohol. Like, you know, exactly. bugs don't really eat that. Not usually. <laughs> no surrey, Bob. And so that now we're at a global scale for right. alcohol. Right. And this translates into the beer industry, too. As, as the American Revolution happens, all this... Uh, sorry, the American Industrial Revolution happens... Um, we get people coming over from Europe, bringing their beer brewing traditions, and sort of having a go at the American dream and having these giant mega factories right. of beer. And that, that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. So coming up now, starting, uh, let's say, 1800s, um, moving forward into the 1900s, we have just Budweiser, Miller, all these, all these huge guys. And they're making beers that, are, that appeal to a v- wide variety of people, mm-hmm. right? Because yes. you can't go crazy like we talked about. So then we hit sort of a change point, right? I, I don't right. know exactly when you'd say, but certainly the latter part of the 20th century. Maybe mm-hmm. 90s, 80s? Yeah, I'd say 90s. That's a guess. But And at that point, we actually see people looking for something with some variety, I guess. Right, right. Um, you see a sort of return to local values, right? Eat local, <laughs> shop on Etsy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, right. So, I mean, so my, my grand theory here is, uh, as, as all old men do, I blame the internet. And I think what happens here is that, so come 1995, 1996, we suddenly get to a point where a lot of people have the internet. Like, you know, and it's a thing people just use. It's, it's part of our lives. And if we look at the people with whom microbrews are really popular... Yes. In fact, we, we actually have a quote on this. This might be an a appropriate time to read. According to Paul Gatza of the Brewers Association, microbrew fa- fans tend to be people who are middle class. They're generally more traveled than others. Many have been to other countries, and they've gotten a good taste of craft brews, and they want beer with a richer taste. Generally, I'd say they're millennials between 21 and 28 years old. Right, and that's the key, is that they're between 21 and 28 years old, which means that they grew up the internet and so for them 
they they rode this wave of going from tiny villages and beer to wine production that became regional to to hard liquor which is very very global to you know the american revolution internet blah 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 blah. look i just it, it's like a billy joel song um <laughs> i didn't start the fire and so n- none of these millennials did and so it's almost like a reaction to that where it's like globalization is so widely available that it's like yeah so what like i don't care <laughs> you know I, I can talk to anyone in any part of the world anytime really who cares about and, your import craft brew or import brew i should say yeah or i i don't care that this is made in you know st louis missouri and being shipped to me here in seattle or wherever you know yeah. it's all just the same it's blah 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 homogeneity so instead the focus becomes on local stuff right. and Beer is a classic local thing because we talked about we we gave you that brief history of the universe there, um, <laughs> and, and and so it's the classic local thing to go back to. And of course, it has a lot of variety because these microbreweries don't need to appeal to a wide audience; they just need to appeal to half a million people. Sure, something like that. So or, they can have a swastika on the bottle. <laughs> would you buy that? I wouldn't buy that. No, that I wouldn't buy it either. But <laughs> but you're you saying know. there are at least half a million neo-Nazis who are into craft brews. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> hmm. uh, I don't know if I want to hang out with those guys. Me neither. But we don't have to. They can hang right. out at their own brew pub and we can have our own brew pub. <laughs> now I'm concerned, actually, about this, this trend. <laughs> so, our... Is this a quote we can give you now that that brew pubs are making more racism possible? <laughs> oh. Brew pubs bringing racists together. Hmm. Okay. Mm. Okay. Maybe not. Hmm. Oh boy. Oh boy. Let's not talk about Nazis. Um. So yeah, I think that's what's going on here, and that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, I I look at all my chemical engineering friends, and I just kind of see that. Yeah, they. Uh, mm. Forget it. Skip that whole part. I don't really okay, care. Okay, cool. <laughs> I think that's a very succinct um, theory of why microbrews are so popular, Tim. So, so then, how do we characterize this microbrewery fan, beer snob? Well, I mean, they tend to be middle class. They're uh, generally just... more traveled than others. <laughs> they no, 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 no. Da- Okay, yes. Who do you know? What are they like? You know, what, what, why, what, what are they doing sitting around drinking this stuff? I mean. You think it's a lot of like just smelling the beer and going like, hmm, this is uh, this one's hoppier than that one or um, it's a little bit of that. It's uh, I think it's a lot about the atmosphere, right? Oh, you think so? It's a lot about going to the pub atmosphere and trying something new or going to the local uh, like bottling shop or like shop with tons of different beers. Brew and, like, supply try- shop or? Oh, yeah. Like, they, oh. there's a shop in uh, Seattle called Bottle Works, which is just a huge, huge variety, for, blah, 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 a huge variety of different kinds of brews, locally made. Mm. You might want to re- re- you might want to say that again. Okay, so there's, there's a local. A shop. There you go. There's a shop in Seattle called Bottle Works, which is just a huge variety of local craft brews made. Yeah, I'd, so you think it's there's a I guess this goes in with being more traveled. There's a an adventurousness and a, a sort of boredom. Yeah, there. Yeah? I think it's it's mu- it's very much about the experience of going to mm. these places, being in the atmosphere, talking to the guy who knows everything about it, or your waiter, or your 
bartender who knows everything about it and learning something. It comes back to community. It's 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 community and local and all that stuff, right? Right. Because yeah, you you build up a a whole thing there by paying attention to little details and focusing in. Yeah. It's an internet reaction. Because I would say a lot of these. I'm sorry, but a lot of a lot of these are horrible. <laughs> a lot of the beers. It's pretty strong. Yeah. I, Why no. is sour a thing? Why do we want sour beers? Why? You don't like. What about sour patch kids? Those are awesome. You don't like sour. I don't want it in my beer. That's all I'm saying. Mm. Well, you are allowed to have that opinion. And you should talk about it at length with someone uh, at your local brew pub. <laughs> so, since uh, since we're all going local now, uh, the first announcement for next week, I think we're done with uh, brew pubs, is that Catherine and I will no longer be doing this on the internet. Instead, we'll be doing it at a small community theater stage in Tuskegee, Alabama, home oh, of Lonnie Johnson. Interesting. I was thinking yeah. that we would actually just go to each of our listeners' house. Oh, let's do that. Yeah. So if you would like, if you would like to have the Duna Fail podcast come to us, please send us a handwritten letter at, uh, good luck. <laughs> we'll take the email, I guess. Duna Fail podcast at gmail.com. So that was the Doom to Fail podcast for this week, of course. And please do tune in next week, of course. And in the meantime, I want you to have the very best week you can. You know why? Because it's my birthday week. Come on. If there's no other time we can't all come together to celebrate, what, what week than this? My birthday? Yes, there are two weeks a year. And it's pretty good because we're about six months apart-ish. So it works so, out. Uh, yeah, you get to have one on each side of the year. We're exactly nice. five months apart. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. Yeah. It's kismet. What's kismet? Kismet? I think that's a thing. Hmm. Mm. Tune in next week to find out what kismet is. <laughs> and until then, have a great time. Talk to your mom. She misses you. And we'll see you soon. Oh, and that's Catherine Cogart over there. And Tim Dobbs over here. Hey, bye. 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 Sees what she wants to see. Ooh, ooh, ooh.